Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you this evening, sir? Doing well, just... It seems like every podcast I'm watching, just watching some Oklahoma State softball. They're up 2-0 in the middle of the fourth. No one cares because the game will be over by the time we talk about this. But yeah, that's what I I'm do. Doing. I do love how our podcast become a live discussion of the what would be the yesterday's softball game to the listener tomorrow morning. <laughs> I do love how that's what we end up doing. So no, it's fantastic. Well, glad things are good in your world, Dustin. I, I don't want to waste any time. We have a special guest on the line this week. Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball has graced us with his time. Um, we've got several questions for him. But Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Well, good to have you. This is, uh, this is a pleasure. I, Dustin and I have been following you and D1 Baseball for years, and uh, it's, it's really good to have you on and excited to talk about Oklahoma State baseball and really get your opinion because you made a very bold proclamation that some would – well, some would say bold. Dustin and I may not say it's bold, but some would say it's bold. And that Oklahoma State, it was your NCAA champion. I want to talk about that. I want to hear your what, – what made you say that? Well, you know, I just really liked what I saw from that club in the fall. I was there two days, um, caught two good inter squads and, and walked away thinking, you know, there's just not that many teams out there that have real arms this year. Um, if you look at, you know, mock, I don't know if there's any mock drafts out, but just talking with scouts, um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of clubs don't even have a college pitcher in the first round. Like there's just not a lot of premium pitching out there and there's very few established starters around the country. And so I, I, the first thing that I liked about Oklahoma state was, all right, you got a real dude, you know, to anchor the thing with Justin Campbell, you got a proven ace, very, very few proven aces, like all Americans coming back this year. And he's one of them. Um, But you know, the, the pitching behind him, I mean, I was very high. uh, I was high on Victor Medeiros. I know that's been a little up and down so far, but he's got real stuff. I mean, he can be, and I believe in Rob Walton. I believe he's going to get, you know, get the most out of that guy, but uh, obviously a really talented guy. Um, I believe, you know, Bryce Osmond and Cale Davis, his third year guys would put it together. I, I liked the, the depth and variety in the bullpen. Um, love the power potential in the lineup. And obviously they haven't really hit yet. Um, I think they will eventually, but you know, I mean, it's power arms and power bats. And, and right now I think that's a winning formula. So uh, I know it's been a little bit of an uneven first few weeks here, but I'm, I'm, I have not jumped off my Oklahoma state to win it all pick. I still think those arms are going to play and there's a lot of room for growth as that offense kind of comes together. And Aaron, I, I, you kind of hit on this a little bit, but in your, you wrote the top 25 breakdown on OSU that came out on D one baseball earlier this year. And I saw one of the things you pointed out was just how deep this team is. And you touched on that a little bit, but you know, they've got, they've got Houston Morrill out with no real timetable to return. Griffin Dorshing apparently broke his ankle, broke his foot saying he may not come back until six to eight weeks, which was about three weeks ago. I think that happened. Both of them missing time. Dorshing was hitting really well. Do you think the Cowboys have handled this better or worse than how you thought they would when you wrote that? Good question. Um, 
you know, I, I thought they had the depth like to lose lose those particular pieces. I mean, Dorsing obviously is a really key guy in the lineup. Definitely. And, you know, and he and he was a good player, but you know, especially I think they're fine up the middle. You know, defensively with Riggio and, and Marcus Brown. I mean, I, I figured they probably wouldn't miss a beat there. And if you look at the numbers, I think they're fielding like nine eighty four or something. So they're continuing to play really good defense. And that was actually one question mark, just a little bit for me heading into the season was was the defense because when I was there in the fall, they they kicked it around and and Josh, said, yeah, <laughs> we we need to clean that up. Um, but you know, they played great defense, which is very encouraging, even without Huey. Um, but they, I think they definitely miss Dorshing in the middle of the lineup. He's just such a presence there. So, and a guy that, you know, not only has power, but controls a strike zone. I mean, he's, he's a mature at bat. Um, and for a team that has struggled some offensively, I think that's a, that's a significant reason why. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And just on the kind of, on the other side of things with the pitching rotation, we talked about Madero struggling a little bit. You thought what you wrote in there was, you know, there might be some question marks behind Campbell outside of Madero's. How, how do you think the Oklahoma state pitching staff has done? Obviously Campbell's been well, his win loss record may not reflect it because like we talked about, they haven't been able to hit, but what do you think who's been maybe your biggest surprise and your biggest disappointment so far in the pitching staff? Um, I, I guess, I guess Madero's would have to fall into that disappointment bucket, you know, seven ERA. I know that's inflated by his last start. BYU was not, was not good. I, I think he was probably was okay before that. Um, but you know, he's capable of being a lot better. There's no question. I mean, it's a four pitch guy who throws 98. I mean, like, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, commanding the zone a little better. I mean, it's not like he's walked the house. Um, he's only got seven walks, 15 innings. That's, that's not awful, but, uh, it's just a matter of, of being maybe a little more fine within the zone. That's really key. And again, I'm, I'm still, I'm still high on that guy. Um, you know, in Rob, I trust, I mean, Rob Walton is as good a pitching coach as there is in the country. He's, he's awesome. And you look at their staffs over the years under his leadership, they always get better as the season goes along and they always have guys emerge. And so that's one that I think will emerge. Um, you know, I saw Bryce Osmond really good that first weekend at Vanderbilt. I was, I was there for that series and I was like, this guy's figured it out. Like it's really, uh, it's really come right. Like we've been waiting for it for a couple of years and, um, the guy I saw there, he pitched and it was, it was good stuff. He held his velocity better than I'd seen him before. I mean, spun the breaking ball a lot better. Um, so I kind of thought he'd be a little better too. I mean, but you know, the, just the some inconsistency there. Yeah, that. that's it. Right. I mean, but the peripheral number is still there. He's got 21 strikeouts and 13 innings. So like, you know, again, not, he didn't walk the house either. He's walk rates a little high, but it's just a matter of, like you said, being a little more consistent. And so we need to see that, but yeah. Um, Aaron, that's, think, it's funny you say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did not mean to cut you off, but Bryce Osmond was kind of my guy that yeah. I had circled yeah. after that series. Dustin, you and I had a conversation on this podcast and it was about Bryce Osmond. It's like, if he's like that, the sky's the limit. So it's interesting yeah. that you say that, Aaron. Total difference maker. Absolutely. If he can, if he could be what he was that first week. Um, you know, I, I think I don't, I don't want to say I'm surprised by Roman fans, fan, fan soccer, <laughs> um, but because uh, I saw him great in the fall, like it was lights out, um, but he'd never done it before in the spring. And so he was a guy that did, how, you know, there was some prove it factor there and he's been awesome out of their bullpen. And it's just that turbo sinker, like ridiculous power sinker in the mid nineties that just dives on you. And a um, couple of, I think he's got a couple of good secondary pitches too. Like, I think it's legit three pitch guy, um, but that sinker is a real weapon. And so I think he's given him a boost. I mean, I, I kind of thought Kale Davis, like I said before, would be, a, would be a really valuable piece and he has been. So 
those guys aren't surprises. I mean, Baden Root can spin the heck out of that breaking ball. Um, he's been a nice addition for him. I mean, really, I was pretty high on most of those guys heading into the year. That's why I like this team yeah. so much. But yeah, you add a, a Root and a Dylan Marsh, and um, you get Mitchell Stone back for his 11th year or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, like, that's just they got guys from the left side and the right side. And uh, Trevor Martin's another big power arm. Like, there's, there's definitely depth and variety here. Yeah, when they're able to go Campbell, Davis, Martin in those games, if they could just get the bats going a little bit in those games, the – the pitching when they're able to do that with Kale Davis as the setup and then Martin to come in and close has been outstanding in pretty much every yeah. game they've gone this year. It's a good formula right there. Those are three real <laughs> arms. And then, you know, I'm curious if Nolan McLean will get more opportunities to pitch. I don't know if you guys have any insight on that. I haven't talked to them since the first weekend, but um, I mean, I know he's got a big, big arm, you know, and, and Rob uh, was talking about the, the secondary stuff in the fall too. It's like a, this is like a 90 mile an hour slider or something like some crazy thing. I've never seen him pitch, but I'd like to, because it sounds like an exciting talent. Yeah. It's, it's been a little random this season, like kind of how you pointed out. It's almost like they put him in to pitch in relief in games where he's really struggling to hit. Hmm. And then he comes in and throws. Yeah. Like the heat, the heater yeah. multiple times in a row just comes after guys. And you could tell it's just, frustration coming off but yeah great point I'm, I'm not sure where he really fits in the rotation because it's been really random so far hmm. but kind of talking about McLean that was another question I had for you Aaron with guys like McLean Riggio Trinkle who I, I heard you mention on last week's D1 baseball podcast Marcus Brown both the catchers Atkinson and Doherty they're all kind of struggling at the plate picked it up a little hmm. bit as of late do you think I mean, do you expect these guys to turn around? I know you kind of hit on that at the very beginning. And who yeah. do you think of those guys has to get it going for this team to have success? I mean, McLean, uh, you know, he was a preseason All-American for us. We really believed in that bad. I, uh, I, again, a guy that I saw really good those two days in the fall, maybe that colored my, my opinion a little <laughs> bit, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a premium talent. You know, he was a premium talent out of high school. Now he's not playing football anymore. He's just playing baseball. We, we kind of thought he would take a big leap forward offensively. And it's a lot of swing and miss there. You know, he, he's got to, he's got to be more consistent with the approach. He's got to be, you know, a middle of the order run producer they can count on, you know, not to strike out in a key spot. That's just, I think that's essential, but um, I, I believe, you know, Tranquil will get it going. I mean, he's, He's a talented guy. He's, he's, he's a slasher. It's one of those things. Like I wonder sometimes if he gets too big, if, if he would just, you know, maybe focus more on putting ball in play and using his speed. Cause he can run. Um, I wonder if he'd be better suited for that. Cause he's got some strength, just enough strength, maybe to get him in trouble. Like I, I think maybe he, uh, and, and again, I, I don't watch them every day. Like you guys probably do, but like my, my sense is there's, there's a guy that for a smaller player, uh, he can drive the ball out of the park once in a while. And so maybe he falls in love with that, whereas his skill set maybe is better suited for more of a contact approach. But Riggio is going to hit. Um, I believe that. I keep I telling mean, Cade that. <laughs> that, guy, <laughs> that guy can really hit and he just hasn't yet. It's just it's baseball. Right. Well, golly, no kidding. Aaron, I've got a question for you. And it's a little bit off the beaten path here. You, you said something twice that has piqued my interest. How do you... Like when you're talking about covering MLB, like I, I was a journalism major. So now I'm curious about how you as D1 baseball, you go around the country covering 300 something odd. Team. How do you how do you handle that? How does 
How do you cover that and have the knowledge that you have? Because your ability to talk about Nolan McLean, Justin Cam, I mean, you know this roster front and back, and you don't just know Oklahoma State. So I'm curious how you do that. That's that's a lot to handle. Yeah, I mean, I'll say first of all that you know we don't know all 300 teams. I mean, you know, sure. (laughs) Well, you didn't have to say that. I was just trying to hype you up a little bit. Uh, We have information on all of them, but you know, I mean, we focus on you know kind of the top hundred or so teams we think are going to contend, and then as more teams contend, we learn more about them. Um, but definitely in the fall, I try to see as much as I possibly can. And then in the summer too, I mean, it kind of starts there with, um, you know, getting out to Cape league games, team USA and coastal plain league and any CBL, all of these summer leagues, uh, go out and get as many looks as we can and kind of see who's taking a step forward. And then I think the fall is really valuable to see who's kind of taking that next step. Who's a okay. breakout candidate. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll travel. I probably see, I don't know, 40 or 50 teams in the fall, just right. traveling, traveling around going to these scrimmages. And it helps when they're, there are two teams that play against each other. You can knock out two with one day. That's always, that's <laughs> valuable when they're doing that. Um, but you know, and the other thing is we have a big staff. I mean, we've got guys scattered around the country. Um, you know, Kendall's in Texas. We got, you know, Sorensen and, uh, and, and Rooney out West and shotgun Spratling used to be out West. Now he's in the Northeast and we got a couple guys in the, in the Midwest and we got a guy in Miami and, you know, David Seifert, uh, our scouting guy, he travels everywhere. So, uh, we've got a really, really good staff and they all, we all feed information to each other. So yeah, uh, that, that definitely helps as well. Well, you guys do a tremendous job. I was just sitting here thinking, I mean, these are big rosters. We're not talking basketball, but we're not talking football, but we're talking 30 person rosters, uh, mm-hmm. across, I mean, shoot, power five conferences and then mid-major in baseball. So, uh, no, I was just curious. I didn't mean to take us off the beaten path, but it was just like, it was just pinging at me. So I had to ask. Nice. No, it's, and I know I've plugged it a couple of times, but you guys do a great job on that D1 baseball podcast too. I feel like you cover a wide range of topics to where pretty much a fan of any of the power five teams will listen and maybe hear a tidbit on their team. So it's awesome stuff. Well, it, it helps that we, you know, we, I think it was, Last year we added runes and to have an actual professional running point, you know, on the point guard, like a guy who's he's television's Mike Rudy. Come on. Um, he actually <laughs> knows what he's doing and he can keep us on track. Cause Kendall and I, I think have a tendency to go down rabbit holes and um, you know, get off track. So runes, runes does a great job distributing the ball. <laughs> That's fantastic. And Aaron, just kind of going back to the Oklahoma state stuff, you, you talked about something, a lot of swing and miss. You talked about McLean with that. It's something we've kind of noticed with, the Josh holiday led teams in recent years. Why do you think that is that they get off to these slow starts hitting wise? It's a good question because it does feel like every year they get hot down the stretch. Like they, yeah. one thing about his teams is every single year, they're better late than they are early. I think it's been like that every year. Um, I mean, I, I think I, as far as I can remember, you know, that that's a definite trend. And so on the one hand, you, you know, you give them credit for being a good coaching staff and, and developing their guys and getting them better as the season goes along, but you do wonder why they can't get off the hotter starts. I, and I don't, I don't have the answer for that. That's yeah. a great, it's a great mystery, but um, there is swing and miss. And that was something that, that you know, has been uh, a part of this program and, and it's a power hitting, you know, it's a power hitting program. Um, they, they do believe, I think in, in, taking aggressive swings and, and, you know, like, like a lot of big league teams do now that you take the, the strikeouts in exchange for the home runs. They just haven't hit enough home runs yet. You know, like if you're going to, if you're going to play a style of baseball, you better, you know, put it over the fence once in a while. And they ball didn't fly too far in March in Oklahoma. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe that's part of it too, is the weather, honestly, like there's no question. We see that on a national level trend wise. Um, If you look at like the mid season trends, the, you know, the, the, 
the pitching stats are always like that's more favorable. And then as, as you get the second half of the year, always the weather warms up, the bats get going. That's yeah, interesting. Oklahoma State's had multiple games already this year moved, canceled. Yep. The, the BYU series got moved to Globe Life. It was supposed to be in Provo because of the weather there. And the weather in Oklahoma has been wild lately, more ice and snow than we normally get. But, no, that's a, that's a great point there. And just kind of looking ahead, Oklahoma State's got Dallas Baptist coming up tomorrow and then Seton Hall this weekend. And then they get into – they pretty much – get into big 12 play pretty shortly after that. I know Dallas Baptist started off kind of rocky. They kind of turned it around. I believe it, yeah. Southern Miss, they swept yep. recently. And then Seton Hall, I mean, no offense to those guys, but they've been pretty terrible. I think they only have one win. Yep. What do you think? So how do you kind of see the next couple of weeks playing out? And then even longer than that, I know, I know you hit on it earlier. You still have Oklahoma State as an Omaha team, but do you still think they're the second best team in the big 12? Yeah, I do. And, and I think right now, this is actually a good time to have – I mean, again, no offense to Seton Hall, no offense to anybody, uh, but a good time to have Seton Hall rolling in for four games. It, this, oh, yeah. is a, this is a get right stretch, you know, because they're nine and six. They played a tough schedule, right? And so there's no shame They've in giving up nine a lot of six. runs. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, and, but, but I mean, Oklahoma State's played a tough schedule. There's, there's no shame in being nine and six when you've played Vanderbilt and, you know, Gonzaga, who's got real pitching. I mean, you guys saw, probably saw it, like it's yeah. real, real pitching. Um, you know, they played Wright State, who's a perennial regional team. Like that's a, not only a regional team, but often a, a three seed or even once in a while, maybe even a two seed, like out of the yeah. horizon. That's hard to do. That, that's a good program. Uh, and they have talent on that roster. And BYU, which is a team that we like, is a real contender in, in the West Coast Conference. So a couple of midweek wins against Arizona State on the road, like they've done some good things, like, you know, but that said, nine and six, like you'd like to have a little more cushion and now you got Seton Hall rolling in like that. That's good timing. Uh, and then you, you open conference play with probably teams that you would hope they can rack up wins against Kansas at home yeah. at K state. Um, so by the time they have to play Oklahoma, you know, in April um, you'd like to think they'd be, they get some confidence going they got some wins going theoretically, you know, who knows it's baseball, but it feels like the schedule works out pretty well for them. They could use a little bit of a breather. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And with that, uh, with that game with Dallas Baptist coming up, do you think, do you think they can win that one? Or do you think that one's going to be pretty tough? Yeah. I mean, you know, midweek baseball, who knows? It's, it's, a, yeah. it's almost a crap shoot. Like um, but DBU has a lot of pitching depth too, just like Oklahoma state does. And so that's definitely, I think the strength of their roster. So that's definitely a good midweek challenge. It's uh, but yeah, DBU is playing well. I mean, Southern Miss is, is a very good team. Um, to, and so to sweep those guys, to me, was, was loud. Yeah, DBU is also one of those programs that is consistently there as well. Yep. A little bit larger, of course, than, than a right state, but always good. So Yeah, and uh, they were and they were what? Uh, a super regional last year, right? I mean, against yeah, Virginia. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they were right now. They've been knocking on the door for, to Omaha for a while. One of those days, they're going to bust it down because yeah, they, no, they got a great program. No doubt about it. My cousin was actually a pitcher there just a couple of years back. So yeah, I know, oh, nice. I know quite a bit about him. So um, Dustin, I don't know if you have any final questions. I've definitely got one for you, Aaron. I opened with this. You picked Oklahoma state to win the national title. Are you still sticking with that? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. I, well, you know, here's the thing. They have so much unrealized potential still, you know, offensively. Like I think the and even on the mound, I mean, as we talked about, like, Medeiros and Osmond have shown flashes, but they haven't reached their potential either, you know, and as those things happen, and I believe they will, uh, because I believe in the talent and, and I, I like the fact that we're, we're betting on guys that aren't, you know, they're not rookies. I mean, Osmond's been around 
this is his third year. And, you know, he kind of was derailed, I guess, by COVID. He was a guy that probably could have used a lot more innings that year than he got. Um, I still believe like he's going to blossom as the season goes along. I think he's going to be a big key. And, and, and I, and I think the same thing about Medeiros. So, um, so while, while some teams maybe that have gotten off the hot starts, they're kind of almost playing at their ceiling. Oklahoma state has like held its own against a very good schedule. They already have a marquee series win on the road, you know, that first weekend right. um, on their resume. And so like, it, it's a team that has not come close to hitting its stride and still they're in very good position. And, um, you know, nowhere near their, their peak. And so, yeah, I, I believe in, I believe in that talent. I'm sticking with it. I, I love it. Aaron, I appreciate the time. I also appreciate the Rosenblatt stadium book over your shoulder. Love it. Rest <laughs> in peace to that you know, icon. I was lucky enough to go before it was torn yeah, down. It's so. a place. That's one of my prized possessions because it's signed by the author, Steve Pivovar, the longtime oh, awesome. world herald oh, wow. writer. And he passed away a couple of years ago. He's one of my good friends, but uh, just a, just a wonderful man. And that book, if you ever see it, it's, I think it's hard to find, but Rosenblatt stadium diamond on the hill by the, the world Herald staff. It's awesome. It's just got lots of great stories and photos. So I recommend yes. that. It was an amazing, amazing spectacle. I really, yeah. I, I only got to go there once in 2009. Another cousin of mine was actually a pitcher at Rice uh, when they were in the College World Series against LSU. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I was a kid and was just mystified by it. It was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So miss it. You got good bloodlines. Why are you still talking to us instead of playing the big game? Because I chose golf. I chose golf in <laughs> high school a- and that was a mistake, clearly. So yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, Aaron, yeah, like Kate said, thank you so much. I was just going to shout you out with, if you're not following Aaron on Twitter, at Aaron Fitt, A-A-R-O-N-F-I-T-T, follow at D1 Baseball, subscribe to at D1 Baseball, because they're definitely the best source of college baseball news out there. Kate and I are subscribers. We love, we love everything they write. And Aaron writes a bunch of stuff, and so does Kendall, about Oklahoma State. So you'll get Oklahoma State coverage from them, and it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Aaron, appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for making the time on a Tuesday evening and uh, don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on soon. Maybe uh, breaking down an Oklahoma state national championship. Here there soon. you go. Uh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. I enjoyed the, uh, enjoyed the discussion. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks Aaron. Thanks. Bye. See you, Aaron. All right, Dustin, that was fun. Always good to have another voice in here and validate the things we talk about all the time. Yeah. If, Again, I know I said it on there, but the stuff Aaron writes about Oklahoma State is so detailed. The fact that he got to go watch him in the fall, he wrote about the entire – he wrote multiple articles about that Vanderbilt series. He wrote a little bit about Gonzaga. They put little blurbs out about the top 25 teams each week. So him and Kendall Rogers and everybody over there do a great job, but those two guys are awesome. Yeah, and they they really do such a good job. And that's why I had to ask because – I, you know what it's like to try to follow football roster. We follow one. We follow approximately one football roster, one basketball roster, one baseball roster. The, I mean, these guys are following 90 plus. I mean, uh, and they know them really well. So, um, yeah, they do a phenomenal job. And, Dustin, when you uh, approached me about Aaron, it was like, oh, I followed him on Twitter for years. So, yeah, let's, that's a no-brainer. So, uh, that was pretty cool, actually. I, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, but before we move on into, uh, you know, the other part of the podcast, I do want to say a thank you to a uh, new sponsor of the podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate with Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. 
Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. And you can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. It's spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. Dustin, believe it or not, the offseason of basketball is here, and we have so much to get to. I mean, where, where do you even want to start? Well, what about the commit that Oklahoma State just got That's from the 2023 class? Yeah, Katie, Parker Fredrickson, about, our guy. We've talked about him on here, but break him down for us a little bit. Maybe we ought to get him on, too. It's our guy. We've talked about Parker Fredrickson since it fe- a couple months ago. It felt like things were turning in the right direction for Oklahoma State. I think he had taken three unofficials, and then it came out that he was going to come on an official. I think we talked about him somewhere in the middle of all of that. Um, and he didn't take another visit. He he saw a lot of Oklahoma State. Uh, and then, obviously, yesterday on Monday, uh, made the commitment to Oklahoma State. So 2023, small forward shooting guard, more leaning to the long, lanky shooting guard role. If he hits another growth spurt, puts some weight on, could end up at that three. Um, but right now measures up at about 6'4 to 6'6, depending on what source you look at. He looks more on the 6'5 range to me um, and 160 pounds soaking wet. So could put some weight on, but a total sharpshooter. But probably the best shooter in that 2023 class, arguably. Yeah, he's had multiple 40-point games. He put up, I think, 30 in a playoff game. The kid can score. And the knock on him, obviously, kid, you just mentioned, is his weight coming in around 165. And he's a little he's a little slow side to side just from watching some film. I'm going to try to do full breakdown. I've been able to find a couple full games on him. But just from watching what I've watched so far, defense could be an issue. But, Kate, on offense, I've seen a couple – I think it was a guy on 247 saying he's going to need to bulk up and get, gain a little bit of speed to get a shot off. I disagree. He yeah, I can get his shot either. off. His shot, his shooting motion is very, very beautiful, very pure fundamentals there. But and quick. he gets it, he gets it off super quick off the dribble or off the catch. I don't think he needs to really create space. I think he just needs a little bit of room to get it off. I don't think that's going to be an issue for him right now at this height and weight. So I don't think that's an issue. You could you do need him to be able to play some kind of just serviceable defense, or teams could play him off the floor. But at the college level, you know, that's only your top tier teams that are really able to do that. So I think no matter what, this is a guy right now that could come in and contribute. I, I thoroughly agree. And it's the exact type of player Oklahoma State should be recruiting for that position right now. Um, I think we've seen a lot of long athletic guards that play kind of a positionless two through four, but can't shoot worth a darn. And this is the opposite of that. This is the complete opposite of that. And really, Dustin, like I was watching uh, Purdue and Iowa the other evening uh, in the Big Ten championship game. They all have these not overly athletic guards and not um, overly fast, but they shoot the lights out. They play fundamental basketball. And it's like, man, when's the last time Oklahoma State had a guard running around like that? And I think the last one that I could have thought was probably like Jeffrey Carroll. And I'm not, obviously not a Cade Cunningham. I'm not including him in this conversation. I'm talking an off the ball, like pure shooting guard, pure wing player. I can't remember the last one that looked like Parker Fredrickson before Jeffrey Carroll, or maybe a Lindy Waters. Cade, both of those are great comps because (laughs) 
Marshall Scott from BFB sat down with Parker Fredrickson and asked him about his visit. And he told him that him and Boynton watched film and two of the names that he kind of Boynton threw out to him as players. He, he could see him being like two of them were Carol and Waters. So yeah, that's, well, that's perfect. Well, I have to be honest. I did read that article. I'm a loyal subscriber to, to Marshall's work and appreciate him putting that out there. He put it in my brain, but it's, it's spot on. And I love that. That's what Boynton showed him because I can't, I can't think of another one. He's, he's too athletic to be compared to Thomas DeZagua. And then you go back further and it's like, Oklahoma State didn't have any really great shooting guards uh, to look at that, that were consistent enough. So it's a great comp, great uh, idea from Boynton to show that. I, that's what I see him in, in, this, in and, this system. And I don't, I mean, Lindy wasn't amazing off the charts defender. And I, I, Carol he, was, he was good. not. Carol was good on defense. But again, if, if Fredrickson can even be, near what those guys are on defense I think he may be a better sharpshooter just pure percentage wise than both of those guys and if you're bringing in a guy like that that completely changes and Mike Boynton's talked about it we need to get shooters in that completely changes how Oklahoma State operates on in the half court offense because this past season they had nobody really that teams had to pay attention to they had guys that would get hot from three Keelan Boone but they didn't have anybody consistently that could do it. And this guy can consistently do it. And it's not like Oklahoma state was the only team recruiting them. You know, you've got OU, Purdue, Iowa, Mizzou, Illinois, big names were in on this kid and Boynton was able to bring him in. And I know it's not a, you know, next year thing being in the 2023 class, but this is going to be a big time get down the road. And I think this is a guy who we see on the floor a lot. Well, I love that you brought up Iowa and Purdue. Cause I'm like, I want shooting guards like that. And, and I could <laughs> I totally earlier, see yeah. Parker Fredrickson playing in that type of system. So that that's pretty cool. I can't wait. Makes you wonder what this offensive system looks like. We know Boynton loves the motion. Is, is that going out the window? Or are they going to switch some things up in the half court? I think you got to think about that. I don't know if that's the case, but I mean, it's a perfect segue in, I mean, into building this roster for 2022. Obviously, Fredrickson is not coming in this coming season. He is a 2023 uh, commit, which is actually, Dustin, kind of rare these days. I, you don't see a whole lot of like class forward commitments. I mean, we're talking, uh, I mean, a year and a half until Fredrickson's on campus. So it's a while from now. So I'm curious, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this. Actually, I do know because I texted it to you. Our boy, Anthony Black. I told you last week, some maybe not positive news on that front. Today, Anthony Andrew Slater on Twitter put a prediction out for Gonzaga for Anthony Black. So it seems like the tides are turning in the wrong direction there. What was your first reaction to that? Yeah, that's tough. And, you know, he he says on there that a lot of the times he's making predictions not really based off any info. Sometimes he is, and he's right a lot when he does make predictions. So you got to take sometimes what Slater says with a grain of salt, but for him to come out and say that, I know it was kind of in a funny context. He's using the gifts in there and everything, but it's kind of tough. I, I did see, you know, Rob Cassidy at Rivals came out with something, I believe it was last week, and he's saying that he thought it was between Oklahoma State and Gonzaga with Arkansas being kind of on the outside looking in but still making a big push. So it's tough to see that, but I still have a little bit of hope. But, Kate, I think I'm – I know we've been given percentages. I think maybe I'm down to 35%. 
Yeah. Well, it comes to Oklahoma State, and I know I think we were like fifty-five percent. We said last time we talked about. Yeah, it, we so. went from eighty to fifty-five to I think, all over the map to seventy. It's this is college basketball recruiting, baby. I mean, talk to us next week. It could be a hundred percent. He's committed. So who knows? Um, be- a commit a commitment's got to be coming soon, though. Yeah, it's. I, I think the McDonald's All American game. I believe that's. I think I looked at March 29th. So I think we hear something before or then, which is you know only a couple weeks away. But your guy, uh, your guy Q Williams, Keon Williams, yeah, Arkansas State champ, had yeah. uh, 17 points, four rebounds, two steals, and an assist in the championship game. He's an explosive athlete. Speaking yeah, of, yeah. So I think he's a guy that gets minutes right away next yeah. year for sure. While we're talking 2022 roster, well. But, you know, the, the reason I brought – where do you think they're going to turn? you think it's all portal at this point? It's got to be. I mean, they're obviously going to hit the portal, um, especially if Anthony Black's not coming in to, to, you know, handle the rock. We've already seen a a slow leak into the portal. March Madness just started. There are going to be teams getting bounced here in the next few days where their season is over, and it's the floodgates are about to open. And yeah. I told you last week, if you like the tweets where – player has entered the transfer portal and has heard from 55 schools get ready because this is about that time of the year we've already seen kate it's a great it's a great point to bring up because we've already seen today joe tipton said oklahoma state was one of the i think it was 20 plus programs yeah jalen Princeton. yeah Yeah. jalen Llewellyn, princeton combo guard i believe he's listed as a point guard but i think he played a lot off the ball as well he's not extremely tall 6'2 185 but shot 40 percent from three first team all ivy league had some big time offers in high school decided to go the ivy league route with princeton i believe he was a former four-star prospect but that's a guy you're going to see oklahoma state connect to a lot of guys but to answer your question kate i think i think it's going to be portal you know they're they've got sky clark but i think there's just you know illinois arizona state i don't see those schools, i never have thought those that schools that was... are in on sky you got Anthony Black, you know, what you just said with Slater talking about Gonzaga and Arkansas. So I think it's going to be Portal, maybe a Juco guy, but you got Q coming in, which I'm just going to call him that from now on because I love, <laughs> I love just calling him Q. But you got him coming in. It, I, I'm not, I'm not discouraged if they don't get Black, but I think if you, you got to make a big splash in the Portal, you got to get one of these guys that has 20 programs looking at him. Well, it's interesting because there is a, a big time player on campus that's sticking around in, in Musa Cisse. You would think that that is a big time selling point to a player coming in an Anthony black, who is probably a one and done, maybe not the caliber of Kate Cunningham, but is, you know, more in the caliber of Musa Cisse. Like literally when Cisse came out of high school, he was the 10th ranked overall recruit, probably thought he was a lottery pick, got into college ball, found out he wasn't. But I, I would think that the pick and roll, like allure of playing with Musa Cisse with a Bryce Thompson on the wing. And then if you can go get a sharpshooter, keep Avery Anderson around. I mean, dude, that is, is, is a good pitch for a player that would come in with one year left. Yeah. You don't even have to be a great passer to bump your assist numbers up when you got Cisse in the pick and roll, just toss the 100%. ball to him. hundred so, percent. Yeah. Big news from him. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up that he's coming back. That's going to be huge. We've got, I think we've got a couple of questions later. Um, Twitter questions about the roster next year. So we'll hit that a little bit more later, but huge that he's coming back. And Kate, I don't know if you want to go here yet, but before we move on from basketball, we got to talk about the news that's kind of on everybody's mind. I think South Carolina parting ways with Frank Martin, 
Yeah, we all know that's Mike Boynton's alma mater. What's your initial take on that? And I just want, and Kate, just real quick, before you shout that out, I just wanted to shout out Ross Lawyer at our lawyer underscore 212. And then our guy at the Oklahoma State fan 05, Kyle C. Both of them asking questions about this. Uh, Mike Boynton, South Carolina. So just wanted to go ahead and since they're both on this and we're going to talk about it, just wanted to go ahead and hit that now. Well, th- thank you for that. And thank you for the questions, guys. If this was last year, I would be very concerned. My, my concern level is like a small increase in heart rate. Like that, <laughs> but not, not enough to where it's like a, you know, DEFCON 1 situation. We're taking you to the hospital. Yeah, like not no, that, nobody's, no, nobody's pushing the life alert button. I have We're not just calling fallen. you a baby. Yeah, I have, I have yeah. not fallen and I can get up. Like that's where we're <laughs> at. I'm not worried about it. Um, and those are probably the famous last words of, of, of Cade Webb. But I, I just, I think last year was the year that they needed to do that if they were going to, because I think his buyout's going to be too big for South Carolina to handle coming off of, you know, four years, not in the NCAA tournament. Um, part of me wonders too, and this is, this is probably wishful thinking, but I just, I think I know enough about who Mike Boynton is. Do you not think he might want to see, this part of Oklahoma state's program through he saw them through the last five years of just, you know, a, a freak situation with the FBI and all these NCAA sanctions. I would wonder like, if it was me, if I was taking on a project like that, if I might not want to see that through, get them back to the NCAA tournament, win a couple games, make a run, then make your career move, whatever that may be. Maybe it's re-upping with Oklahoma state. My point is saying all that I'm not very worried about it today if if it comes yeah. out later in the week that he's interested then uh, i'm not even sure that would surprise me i will be surprised when he signs with south carolina yeah no i i agree I, i'm not as worried either and kd did a nice job there kind of laying out both ends of it i think the buyout thing is huge so just to break that down a little bit so boyton's got the seven-year deal he signed last year so one year's been been off it so the, the the way the buyout works is if he leaves in the first three seasons and, you know, Oklahoma State doesn't, you know, let him get out of the buyout. It's 75% of the remainder of the contract that he owes back to Oklahoma State. So I saw Seth Davis from The Athletic put out that it was $13.5 million. I believe he's using, because Boynton's contract is actually $2.1 million a year with a $500,000 increase annually. It's called stay increase. So I think he's taking the average and taking... 3 million would kind of be the average over that span with those increases and using that in his math. So I actually think it's a little bit lower than that 13.5. I think it's somewhere in between like a 9.5, 13.5. I haven't done the math, but we've seen some kind of contradicting numbers there. And when you're talking several millions of dollars, it's kind of a big discrepancy, but it's either way, Cade, my point is it's a lot of money. They were only paying Frank 3.2, I believe. So Boynton's going to be making more than that by the end of his seven years. I think he's got the job security right now at Oklahoma State with that contract. Even if he were to struggle next year, I know you and I have answered this Twitter question before. We don't think he's going to get fired after next year if there's if there was a if there was a tough year next year. I think I think he's got a little bit of a window there, so he's got the job security here. And like you said, maybe what, let this play out that you just got. I mean, I would think he wants to maybe see this out a little bit and not jump over to South Carolina where he basically be starting all the way over. And I know he's lo- losing a got- lot of guys here, but you got you got Keon Williams coming in. You've got Musa Cisse coming back. 
You've got Parker, Fre- Parker Fredrickson locked in for 2023. We'll see what else happens. But I just, to your point, you made a great point on it. Does he want to go start over at South Carolina when he's got that job security right now? Yeah, it's just a thing that keeps bouncing around in my mind. I, it, it would be surprising. I would be surprised if he left right now. And I would think South Carolina is the only one that would be of concern to, you know, OSU brass or whatever you want to call that. I, but it's just, it doesn't seem like the right timing to me. Um, But maybe it is, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. And you know, I saw Goodman also kind of link him to the LSU job. That yeah, seems really random, <laughs> especially when, especially when they're going through all the sanctions. I just can't see those are the only two I've seen him link to, but I just can't see Boynton leaving Oklahoma state after just getting through with the postseason ban to go to LSU where I'm sure they're going to be getting a lot of sanctions coming up. <laughs> I want to get Jeff Goodman on and have him explain himself for that because I, I mean, I would be beside myself if, it, if, Mike Boynton left for LSU for that reason. Like he's going to step out of NCAA sanctions and into potentially unprecedented NCAA sanctions with LSU, um, which it makes you wonder what KU's got coming to him, but that's a whole different discussion. Dustin, I also, speaking of South Carolina and Frank Martin, did you know he just shaved his head? Did he? He did. I, <laughs> I Googled it because I was like, oh, I, I didn't know what was going on. He just straight up shaved his head bald. And looks I, I not watched much South Carolina different. Well, neither have I. I just saw this picture <laughs> floating around on Twitter. I was, and it was actually a an article about the the new like potential coaches in the South Carolina coaching search, and it was a picture of a bald Frank Martin. And I thought, who is that guy? I wonder who that guy is <laughs> in this coaching search. I thought it was like a St. John's coach or somebody else that I've never. Who's heard this of. new candidate? Yeah, no, it's Frank. It's bald Frank Martin. <laughs> unbelievable that's hilarious i, I mean it, it's full no, chrome dome it's like kip kissinger chrome dome going on <laughs> over there your favorite yeah my guy yeah get I him mean, on the pod kid i i don't think i have anything else basketball related unless we unless i'm forgetting something no i'm i'm good well do you want to do you want to kick it over to football i think we got a couple things to hit there just kind of yeah some i think that would be great um let's do it before we do that though i'd love to take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out. And use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And, of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dustin, believe it or not, it's the offseason in football, and there's still news to talk about. What's the latest on, uh, I mean, we've got recruiting, we've got, you know, OSU players in the NFL getting cut. We've got players potentially relocating. I mean, where, where do you want to start here? 
Yeah, so we haven't done a lot of NFL talk on here besides the draft, but there hasn't been a lot of Oklahoma State-related news recently. And this week, a lot has been going on. First off, I think this was something I forgot to mention last week when I was talking about the spring schedule, but pro day for the Oklahoma State guys going to the NFL is going to be Thursday, March 24th. So that'll be something to watch for. I know guys like Malcolm Rodriguez, who already ran a good 40 time, had a good vertical. I know there's things he wants to improve on, his broad jump. You'll probably see Jalen Warren run again. You'll see the guys that weren't in the combine participating. So that'll be fun. Normally they let the media attend and take some video. I know sometimes it's a little bit farther away than you would hope. Some looking like ants out there bench pressing. Yeah, but it's, it's like from, <laughs> from the top of the building across the campus, like Lincoln Riley style. <laughs> Maybe we can uh, help our guy Marshall kind of sneak in. We can teach him a few things about sneaking. I mean, he, he's a pretty good sneaker already, I think. But just have him sneak around a little bit. But yeah, that's one thing to note. So be on the lookout for that uh, in a couple weeks. And then, Kid, you mentioned it. NFL news. We've got some some good, some bad. We've got Blake Jar- Jarwin, former Oklahoma State tight end, been in the NFL for a while. When he's played for your Dallas Cowboys, he's been solid. Unfortunately. <laughs> but he's he's had injury issues. He had the torn ACL. He hurt his hip last year. And apparently it's a very uncommon hip injury. Right. And the Cowboys just didn't think he was going to be able to come back for it. I know he said he's going to try, but it sounds like it's something that it he may not his NFL career may be over. And that's tough. Yeah, that that is tough news. And I actually hadn't heard that last part, but uh, you hope the best for him. I mean, you're right. I watch the Cowboys every Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, but you, th- when he was in, he was really pretty effective. He was more of a vertical threat. And I don't know how the Cowboys felt about that out of the tight end spot. Cause if you look at what Dalton Schultz does, he's very much a safety valve for Dak Prescott. So again, nobody's here to listen to me break down the Cowboys offensive scheme, but it does make you wonder how he fit in that system being a little bit more of a vertical threat in the tight end spot. So Again, you hope the best for him. You hope that that injury is not as significant as some may be fearing, because that would be that would be disappointing. He had a good start to his career. Yeah, he was he was good, like really good, like a starting tight end caliber good. Yeah, hundred percent. That's tough. That's tough to hear. We wish him the best, hoping get back. On the more positive side of things, your guy Emmanuel Ogba coming off probably his best season in the NFL: thirty-four tackles, nineteen solo. I believe he had. 24 QB hits, nine sacks, and a forced fumble yeah, and a fumble nasty. recovery. He just signed a big time four year deal worth 65 million with 32 <laughs> fully guaranteed. 32 mil, Cade. It's always that second contract. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, actually, so he'll even his third, but that's big time. Yeah. So he signed out with the Dolphins. So he'll be around for a while in the NFL still. He's awesome to watch. You'll see if you don't follow the Dolphins you'll see Twitter videos of Emmanuel Agua pop up all the time because he's making – when he makes a sack, it's always spectacular. He's throwing someone to the ground. It's like WWE style. So it's he's fun to watch, and, I mean, congrats to him for that because that's just awesome. It's great, to, it's great seeing Oklahoma State guys get these contracts in the NFL and you know they're going to stick around and you know you got especially to for. Especially defensive players and especially defensive ends. That's really that's good. Great for recruiting. Hey, you want to come to Oklahoma State and make $62 million over 40? Like, yeah, that's that would be pretty cool. I 
I loved it. Emmanuel Ogba was really kind of the first in line on that defensive end and who now we've seen like Calvin Bundage. We've seen now Colin Oliver, Trace Ford. I mean, countless, countless players on that defensive end spot. So um, pretty cool to see. Yeah. And then Kate, I'm just going to take you on a roller coaster. We'll go negative again. And then yeah. I'll, I'll end us on maybe a little positive slash question mark. So the Steelers, you think <laughs> Mason Rudolph's finally going to get a shot and they decide to sign Mitch Trubisky. So yes, sir, sir, Mitchell, Mitchell, please. <laughs> Sorry, Mitchell Trubisky, but it doesn't, it sounds like he's coming in to be the starter. I've seen several guys say that on Twitter that cover the Steelers. So Mason may, he may just be a career backup and that's okay. We've seen Chase Daniel make more money than anyone should and playing zero snaps pretty much yeah. throughout most of his career. So if that's Mason's route, that's awesome. I think he's definitely talented enough to be a backup quarterback still in the NFL. I don't think he's going to fade out unless he wants to anytime soon, but this might've been his last shot. I don't know. Kate, is that too negative? Well, can I interest you in a Seattle Seahawks starting quarterback, Mason Rudolph? <laughs> hey, I like that. I like that. He's, he's I don't see that one, one big time. He's got to get one. Sh like sh I know he's had moments because big Ben, you know, Big Ben in his walking boot is a is a common a common occurrence that we've seen over and over. So he's had shots. He hasn't done much with them. But I would just like to see him go into a season as a starter for a team to be able to say, OK, he can't do it and then move yeah. on or OK, he can do it. So I just don't know if he's going to get that now, but we'll see. He's still he's still relatively young. So I'm, I'm totally with you. I was disappointed to see that. But I was also trying to think about, are the Steelers really going to go with Mason Rudolph as their starting quarterback? It's the Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers don't really rebuild the way a lot of other teams do. Um, and so they, they don't – the patience just isn't there. I will be very curious to see what happens with him. Um, I'll be curious to see if the, the Steelers try to make a move for him. Get him somewhere that maybe is in a rebuild and that – you know, could potentially take a flyer on him. I mean, Seattle, Seattle just tore it down. Like they're, they're not going to be good. I don't think they will go with Mason Rudolph, but never say never. I mean, that system really probably doesn't fit him well, but it will be interesting to see what happens. I would think he's not going to be wearing a Steeler uniform next year. I would be really surprised. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great take. Cause they also so, have, um, they also have that kid from Tennessee still that they, kept throwing back and forth between Rudolph and uh, Dobbs, Josh Dobbs, um, if for that second spot. So I would, I would wonder what, what they end up doing there. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Good point. But okay, let's end it. Let's end the NFL stuff. Our guy, Des Bryant, just <laughs> tweeting out right. of nowhere, James Washington, the Cowboys to your Dallas Cowboys. You heard it here first. And James Washington hit him with the eyeball emoji on oh. Twitter. And that is all the confirmation I needed. Dez has been speaking <laughs> that into existence for two years now. He's been saying James has to get out of Pittsburgh, got to get out of Pittsburgh. And what do you know? If it's Dallas, which it, it legitimately makes a lot of sense. It looks like they're going to lose Cedric Wilson along with Amari Cooper. I would love it. Why, why would you not go get a James Washington to fill that role that, I mean, they're probably going to try to – keep cd lamb in that same spot maybe fill that outside spot with a better uh you know like volume receiver i could totally see james washington slotting into where cedric wilson was last year totally i love it 
I'd love it if he, you know, came over to my Saints too. But you know, yeah, the Cow- Cowboys. Would well, be fine I'd as well. like him to catch the ball, and the Saints don't throw the ball. So, <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, okay, that's all. That's all I really had on NFL. Do you, you want to move on to talk a little recruiting? Before I think I do. Something else. Okay, I think I do. So, Kate, a couple things happening this week in recruiting. You got the Under Armour Next Camp Series going on in Dallas area, Arlington. I believe it's at Arlington Martin High School. A lot of Oklahoma State recruits, a lot of guys that they're interested in participating at this. So that's good to hear. You've got guys like Terrence Green talking about making an official visit to Oklahoma State. You've got Isaiah Robinson, one of the top offensive line commits, talking about how he really likes Coach Charlie Dickey. So you've got you've got some big things happening for Oklahoma State at this camp, but also on the recruiting front, two top lists have come out. You got Trey Wisner, who we've talked about on this podcast, four-star running back out of Waco Conley. He released a top eight, and he has Oklahoma State in there, along with I believe it's USC, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, FSU, AM, and Arkansas. But the Waco Conley, Oklahoma State's got the connection there with, with Corey Black. You know, they had, uh, I believe Trent Pullen was from there too, who, who is no longer on the team. They're recruiting Kobe Black, Corey's little brother from there. So what do you think about that? Because he's one of the top 2023 running backs out there right now. Anytime you can look at an offer list that includes Oklahoma, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Florida State, you, it's good company to be in. I will say Cowboys are loaded at running back, right? I mean, I, I love a two-headed monster, Trey Wisner and Ollie Gordon, though. Don't you? <laughs> that would be awesome. It, it, would be, it would be really cool if he ended up here. He's Like I said, he's got the connections. He'd be kind of the next in line after C.J. Brown and Ollie Gordon, I think. So great to hear there. And then the other top list I was referring to, another guy we talked about on the podcast who recently took a visit, and he really liked it, Samaje Burrell. Linebacker recruit out of North Crowley, Fort Worth. High three-star guy, dropped a top 11. Some of the same schools I just mentioned. We got Baylor, Florida State, Ohio State, OU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas, Texas Tech, USC, and Utah, along with Oklahoma State. So, you know, these are two big-time guys that do Oklahoma State in their top list and two guys that we've seen quotes from that said they've really liked what they've seen from Oklahoma State, mentioning coaches by name. With Wisner, he's got the – He's got the connection with Corey Black, with, with uh, Burl. He just had the visit and was glowing reviews about it to 247, to Pistols Firing, to Pokes Report. So two big-time names that could possibly end up at the, with the Cowboys. Yeah, according to 247, Burrell is warm on Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. Now, you can't always take that for, for what it says, but – it's good to be in that company too. And I, I like what Derek Mason's doing going quickly after a player like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what other offers come out in that linebacker defensive end, like that stand-up spot. I will be excited to see what they do there, but Samaje Burrell is uh, one of those guys that like, he gives me Colin Oliver vibes, not necessarily in the style of play, but in the um, like, caliber of recruit like it should be probably a four-star like could be a mid to high four-star but maybe just flying under the radar a little bit yeah and he can play all over the place yeah, he doesn't for sure. just have to play linebacker you could put him anywhere but and okay the last recruiting note i had and i wanted to touch on this because i know we got a question about the 2023 
and just kind of future Oklahoma State quarterback room last week. So three-star Brock Glenn, who was not a backup plan for Oklahoma State, but after Bo Edmondson committed to Michigan State, we saw Oklahoma State put out offers to Brock Glenn and Zane Flores. So Brock Glenn says the three schools he's high on, quoted on 247 Sports, are Missouri, Mississippi State, and Oklahoma State. That's big news for Oklahoma State. The, the only issue is he later mentions that Florida State has just recently gotten in contact with him. Oh, he's good. going to take an unofficial there, but he does not have an offer from them. And the fact that he's high on Oklahoma State after they kind of gave him an offer, not late, but later, the fact that he's that they're in his top three is, I think, a good sign. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, it's, it's kind of a slow period right now in recruiting. Um, I think it's about to pick up, though. Yeah, 100%. So we'll have more on that, like Kate alluded to last week. We'll be covering basketball, football, recruiting. If you guys want to hear more, less, let us know because Kate and I can talk recruiting all day. And yeah, more. Hey, we're, we're, we're gonna, that, that would be great. <laughs> I, I'm sad to say, Cade, your puddle, your transfer portal puddle, it may yeah. have turned into just a droplet. It may have dried all the way up. Transfer portal has evaporated. <laughs> I don't think we're going to hear much. I, I think we're going to hear about visits, but I don't think we're going to hear much about big time guys committing until a little bit later on in the year. And I know we've touched on that, but the past couple of weeks has been pretty dead besides guys committing elsewhere. There's been some new guys that have entered the portal recently that have stuck out to us. I know you and I talked off air about yeah. the Georgia offensive tackle. I believe he played right tackle there. He's a former Bishop McGinnis kid in Oklahoma city. He's going to transfer. He's had a lot of injuries, but he could come in and maybe, you know, just kind of fill a spot at least you know be it i don't know if he'd want to go somewhere and be a backup since i think he only right. has one or two years of eligibility left but you know get another tackle a guy that played a georgia oklahoma city guy Sheesh. to bring back that would be cool seems like me, a but, good fit in my opinion yeah i i mean no one's really stuck out to me that's entered kate i don't know if anybody's popped to you recently no no i i think it's yeah. all but evaporated and here in just a little bit the floodgates are going to open up again and yes. we will we will have a lot to talk about but no to, at this current moment um it's, it's almost like everything just grinds to a halt right at this time of March madness, spring semester winding down. So, yeah. So, okay. That's, that's all I had football wise, recruiting wise. I'm ready to, I mean, should we move on to the heart and soul of the podcast? <laughs> we do. I, lo- I love it. I love the way you describe it because it, it really is. It carries our Twitter account. It carries the water for this podcast is what you know and love the unofficially official alleged podcast of oklahoma state cowgirl softball and Cade, i just wanted to start off by saying if you jumped off the cowgirls bandwagon when they had that string of losses in a row i believe it was three in a row like some people i don't want to name names alex fuller Mm. no i don't want to name any names but alex fuller who jumped who may have jumped off the bandwagon may have sent a text to me saying they jumped off you need to get back on because it's not a very feels like 45 type of attitude (laughs) That flies in the face of the brand, okay? <laughs> the girls we've talked about that needed to start hitting are Morgan Wynn, Sydney Pidney, Sydney Pennington, Haley Busby, and then obviously Bree Evans, who'd been hitting but coming back from injury. Everyone's on fire now. Pennington's almost back up to 300. Wynn's about 270, and she's just been bashing home runs. I think she has three over the past two weeks. It's and then the, the the girls that have been hitting well, you know, your Caitlin Carwell, your Chelsea Alexander, 
Cheyenne Factor, who we've mentioned a bunch on here, your Carly Petty, they Bree Evans, Taylor Tuck, pretty much everyone. So I'm looking at everybody that has over 24 bats. I believe that's how many Tuck has. Almost all of them are hitting above 270 right now. I think the only one Busby's turned it on lately. She's still a little bit below, but everybody that's getting run right now is just smashing the ball. And then on the other hand, Elish has completely turned it on, was named big 12 pitcher of the week. We've already seen Morgan day get named that we've already seen Kelly Maxwell get named that the pitching staff has come on. The hitting has come on and they're run rolling teams now. And, you know, it's Memphis and central Arkansas that they beat last weekend, but central Arkansas beat LSU who beat Oklahoma state central Arkansas beat Mississippi state central Arkansas is not a bad team. Memphis on the other hand is not great, but they, they crushed them. They run ruled both of them. The rest of the, the rest of the tournament got canceled due to weather, but just smashing these two teams and they're up four to two right now on North Texas in the top of the seventh. It's they're hot right now. Kate. they're real hot. And it's exciting because, I mean, the, the schedule, like the Big 12 is not, I mean, that tough this year. I mean, you got Oklahoma, Texas is always going to be good, but they've, they've got a, a chance here and it, they're coming on at the right time because conference play, I mean, it's, it's right around the corner. Yeah. And North Texas, who they're up on right now, I hope I don't change them, but North Texas is a good team. Then they've got Wichita State, who's not bad. They got UMKC. So Go they Roos, got the OSU. up. Yes. <laughs> and that uh, they, I think it's the OSU Mizuno classic. So they got those games coming up um, where they're going to be playing both those teams twice. They get UT Arlington tomorrow, who isn't very good. They should be able to run rule them, but you know, kid, you go back and look at their losses. So they've got, they've got five losses right now. And I believe it. Yes. Yeah, 16 wins. So their losses came to LSU who's ranked South Florida who's ranked. Washington, who's ranked, Duke, who's ranked, and then Stanford, who's not ranked, but is a solid team. Kid, three of those teams I just ranked, or I just named, are ranked in D1 softball's top 10, three of their five Eesh. losses. So it's their loss, and I know what people are going to say, you know, they, they're ranked, you know, at the top of the country preseason. They should be beating these teams, but they weren't feeling it at the plate, and now that they are, I think they're going to be able to beat teams of this caliber. And I think this is a, this is a team that could win it all. I truly think that. Whew. Could you imagine, could you imagine a, a spring in Oklahoma state and Stillwater with a cowgirl softball national championship and Oklahoma state baseball? I mean, God. they should be super regional hosts. I would think both of them. Yeah. And it's it's just been the, the turnaround at the plate from people like Sidney Pennington and Morgan Wynn. It's not like they just turn it around and now they're hitting singles out there. They're bashing multiple multiple base hits and home runs. Right, like, right. And and <laughs> I think the other day there was two sets of back-to-back home runs, which was just amazing. But it sucks that those games weren't on TV. The one tonight is – I'm thinking they may throw the one tomorrow on TV – because the one tonight was able to, I know they're in different places, one's in Denton and one's in Arlington, but Wichita state and UMKC games will be on ESPN plus. So you'll be able to watch the girls again, but it's been, it's been fun recently for them. Well, it's going to be a beautiful weekend too. Should be great weather. Um, I know tomorrow it's going to be fantastic. So I mean, a great time again, a gettable schedule coming up with them. Can't uh, UMKC 
Wichita State, UT Arlington. Those are those are very winnable games. Go on a little run here as they have already, um, and just continue to build on that as you get into conference play. It's a short season, um, and things start ramping up here here pretty quick. So, yeah, no, hundred percent. And then, kid, if you don't have anything else on softball, just wanted to mention wrestling. We had the great preview for nationals with Lee Cotton last fun. week of Dynasty Defined. Thanks again, Lee, for that you better be listening. So hopefully you'll text me. You're welcome. Or I'll never talk to you again, but yeah. Yeah. The, the never be on this show again. We'll be on this weekend. So if you're not watching basketball, you can check that out. They're going to be on all the ESPN networks. I believe one day it's on ESPN. U. there's ESPN uh, three ESPN two. And then the finals, like we talked about is on ESPN. So you'll be able to watch Dayton fix, try to get his first NCAA championship. Lee thinks this is the year he can do it. Caden, I think, because we trust Lee, that he can do it as well. Well, I I do think so. I know enough about Dayton Fix to know he's a badass wrestler, so I think so. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to listen to that preview, go back to last week's episode. Uh, Kate, I didn't have anything else on wrestling unless you did there. I think we were going to end it with a little little golf. I did want to shout out, Cade. I want to talk about men's, and I want to talk about the players. But I want to shout out the women's golf because we got the question about McGinty and about Fierro leaving the team and two of Oklahoma State's best players. Well, in the last tournament, the Vice Star Gator Invitational, they were able to come in third place. Yeah, and pretty solid. I, that's still pretty solid. There were some good teams in that field. They're back at it again this weekend, and uh, I believe it's in Saddlebrook, Arizona. So, you know, tough losses for them. We saw Fierro just committed to Ole Miss. That's tough to see her go to another – top women's golf program but it's I, I think this team can still make some noise in you know in postseason play but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they kind of finish up the season wish them the best of luck uh this weekend in Arizona yeah I'll be curious too um again we kind of talked about it last week how they rebound from that it seems like things are going okay um but over the course of a long season in, in college golf you wonder if that starts to catch up with them, that lack of depth, we'll, we'll see. I think they'll be all right, but um, yeah, you just get, get, get concerned about that. And that field in the Gator classic was pretty solid. Yeah, no, it, it really was. And then, and then the men's, so they come in fourth after it seems like, Hey, it's kind of in a trend when we've been talking about it on here. And I know we talked about this a little bit off air, but they're in first or second after round two. And then they oh, yeah. just fall apart. That's like me in the third round. It's like me holes one through five and then six (laughs) through 18 are an absolute nightmare. One through 18 are a nightmare for me, but you know, the it's, it's not that they're, they're performing bad. They still finished in fourth this weekend. I believe it was uh, the general hackler championship. Yes. So, but it's just, I think they need to be winning more of these or not, not so much winning, but coming in the top two, at least, at least contend, at least look like you're going to win one. Yeah, but fourth is tough. But I want to shout our guy, Rasmus Niergaard Peterson, winning the individual medalist. What a name. And shooting a 64 course record. Yeah, that'll course do it. course records recently with Shakara <laughs> and Niergaard Peterson. That's awesome. How, how about we string, I know 64s and 63s are great. How about we string a couple 68s and 67s together <laughs> and win one of these? Okay. Course well, records are great. But let's just let's just I'll even I'll sell you a course record and take two 67s back. <laughs> well, we had Stark the other week who was in first and then he kind of fell apart in the third round. Eamon Gupta was in first and then he kind of fell apart in the third round. Luckily, Nearguard Peterson was able to 
shoot an amazing score in the third round, but they're back at it in the national invitational tournament. Also in Arizona this weekend, I believe it's in not the same city the girls are in, but that's interesting. But kid, I know we don't talk a lot of pro golf on here. I, I think we, we should talk more with our guy, with our guy Hovland, but Hey, let's see if we can you... get Hovland on the pod. Let's talk about that. This. <laughs> that would be awesome. I wanted to get He's your busy. take and could you maybe just kind of walk us through what happened I on would... the featured group with Hovland, with uh, Joel Damon and with Berger. I would love to, because this, this gets me all tingly. I, I, so I played golf growing up. It was actually my sport. I told you on this podcast, I, I left baseball in high school to pursue golf. Uh, love it to this day. But on uh, Monday, which was the final round of the players, I mean, if you didn't see it, my, my podcast breakdown of it will, will not be great. But Daniel Berger's lined up in the middle of the fairway. And it's, it's a slight dog leg right, but you got water running pretty much all the way down his right side. Um, and the ball appears to enter the hazard. And this is such a hard way to explain it with no visual, but it appears to enter the hazard. He kind of took a, a faded approach to it. Like the ball starts skirting the water and then fades in. So I don't know where I land on this, Dustin. The guys, Victor Hovland and Joel Damon, looked at that shot as if it entered the hazard much sooner than Daniel Berger did because the, because the water was skirting the right side and you had like multiple like inlets, they were trying to figure out where the ball actually left land and entered water. So that was the big discussion. I, I do side with Victor Hovland, but I can see from Daniel Berger's perspective where it, could have been iffy but again you can't really tell much from these camera angles no and the thing is it's awesome that they had that mic'd up on the oh group. so I good i was able to go back and clip it after work and put it on our twitter account i had to break it up and do a couple of videos because i was trying to do it quickly and the file size was a little big but it's if you want to go watch it on there it's about seven minutes long well Holland wasn't was just, having it no, and I don't think Berger expected him to kind of come at him like that. Yeah, well, and, I mean, and Hava did it in a very, very respectful way. In the way, and again, like you said, I agree with both guys. You got millions of dollars on the line. They're both in the hunt for one of the top finishing spots. Not probably not to win it with where they're at on the course. You know, the leaders are still five, six holes behind them. But I, I think it's you know both guys are in the right to argue about it. I just thought the way Hovland was kind of going about it was a lot more respectful burger was getting a little testy and then both yeah. guys walk away and he's kind of trashing them to the yeah. official no i i so, haven't been a burger fan for a little while now because of this i felt like he's a little bit of a loudmouth. i'm also not a big fan of the loudmouth golfer i'm not the biggest brooks kepka fan i'm not the biggest Deshambo fan i love victor hovland obviously he's an oklahoma state guy but he is what I think a golfer should act like. And yeah. you've got this new, anyway, I could get way down the rabbit hole on this new kind of infusion of this bro culture in golf, which it's great for the growth of the game, but you get, I mean, I, I thought Daniel Berger was a little bit ab, like abrasive about it. And I thought you've got two guys in Joel Damon and Victor Hovland saying, well, I don't see, I didn't see what you're saying you saw and none of the camera angles can back up what you're saying. So why don't you drop back there? And, and Daniel Berger saying, I've never taken a bad drop in my life, but I will do it now for you guys was interesting to me. It was almost like yeah. he probably knew maybe 
in his heart of hearts that, yeah, maybe, I don't know. And they ended up dropping kind of in between the two because yeah, they were way off, like 80 yards off, right? Where Hovland and Damon thought with Bert from where Berger thought. Well, Hovland and, Ber- Hovland and Damon thought that the ball entered basically on where the a, water starts. A, a like <laughs> basically balls hit, it's in the water and it never exits. I didn't see it that way either, but they were to the left of him. And I could see how an aggressive fade in that setting could look like the ball entered the hazard earlier than it did. So, but there's no camera angle to back up anybody's account, not even burgers. So that's, what's weird to me. Yeah. So basically at the end though, burger saying, or the official mentioned, if you guys are okay with him dropping up there, he can drop up there. And Havlin just says, you know, I'm not actually, he says, I'm actually not okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) So he took kind of a, in between the two and they were okay with that. I think it was a good compromise from everybody, but it was a weird situation. If you haven't seen it, go watch because that's the kind of stuff that doesn't get caught on the mic a lot. And, you know, a lot of people aren't watching the featured group when it's not the leaders on the last day. So what's ESPN interesting Plus on, to me, it was the Monday yeah. and everything, but it's, it was very interesting. You could go back and actually watch the full round replay if you want, but I have that video up on the Twitter as well. Well, Dustin, what's interesting to me is that the ball did not get dropped where it, it went in. They, they had two potential points of entry and they split the difference based on compromise. That's not how it's supposed to go. That's it's either that's one like or when the I other go play. Yeah. And I say, Hey, you guys care if I just throw it right over here? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Cause you're still going to double bogey anyway. Right. Triple. You're going so. to hit it back in the water. So yes, <laughs> please let's, let's keep the pace of play up. But I was, I was a little bit floored by that. It's like, it did feel like they compromised on a, like on a mutual, like, well, I know you're way off and you think I'm way off. So why don't you just drop here? That's weird that it ended up that it's way. Like if That's the, not how um, it's supposed to go. If the fumble, the ball, or the the guy's knees down, but you can't really get a good angle, it was either at the three or the one, and you put the ball at the two. At the, right. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's not how it goes. Anyway, but shenanigans. Was, I, a lot of respect for Hovland not backing down on that. That's a, that's a weird position to be in when the guy who hit the shot is the one aggressively telling you that what you saw is not true. That's a tough spot to be in. I think, too, if if it would have been reversed, if it would have been two against one on Hovland, I think he would have, you know, easily conceded. But I think the fact that he saw something that somebody else did and they both were kind of at different angles that he he felt like he needed to speak up. So that was cool. The the other thing, negative note, but Matt Wolf had some trouble, but he did have a sick club throw into the water. Uh, very nonchalant. I've never seen someone throw a club like that. Well, that wasn't his first time based on that form. (laughs) It was almost like he didn't want to do it, but he kind of had to. And he just very, very gently threw it out of his hands into the water. Beautiful form. I don't even know if I felt like that way about it. I felt like he was like, I am so mad right now (laughs) that (laughs) I'm throwing another golf club into this pond. Like it looked like he'd done that several times. Like it looked like he was tired of doing it. Like that's, I don't think I could have minimal effort. He put into it. I don't know if I could have gotten the club to go that far into the, like it looked like he barely flicked it and it just like flew freak athleticism, (laughs) freak athleticism. That's all that is. But hopefully, hopefully our guy Wolf can turn it around. You know, he's, he's kind of struggling, but we love both these guys. And, And anytime they're playing well in the tournaments, especially in the majors, We'll be talking about about that on here for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. 
Well, Dustin, I think we've got some listener questions to get to. Um, I know we have several on Twitter. We do have a voice question here. If I could get it pulled up, uh, this is my first time running the show here. So we've got one from <laughs> Ryan Winkle, and I believe we've had one from Ryan before. So friend of the pod, Ryan here. Thanks for the thanks for the message. Hey, guys. I was just curious what you think the starting lineup will look like next season uh, if Isaac likely does leave. Uh, you can assume there will be a better outside shooter uh, starting at guard. So um, kind of what the lineup will look like and also how Boynton will coach and scheme, uh, knowing that he has better shooting on the outside. And you can answer this with Anthony Black and then without him since we don't know yet. Uh, but, yeah, just curious what you guys think the offense may look like next season. And as always, go folks. I appreciate that, Ryan. It's a great question because I think we kind of – maybe navigated around this question. But if you were to ask me, I think the base of the offense next year is pick and roll with Musa Cisse and whoever your ball dominant point guard point guard is that can facilitate. I think Avery Anderson, if he's around has to be off the ball. I think Bryce Thompson, you move him to the three spot and then maybe it's Tyreek Smith at the four. Maybe it's another shooting guard. If they want to go small at the four, like that, they could have some flexibility there. Um, the, the biggest question to me is who, who is the point guard on this team next year? I don't think it's going to be Anthony black at this point could be next week. Maybe, maybe we, maybe I have a different opinion on it next week, but my, my gut is not telling me good things there. And I will be curious to see who they can pull every year. There are multiple surprise entrances to the portal. The fact that you have Musa Cisse at the center spot is a big advantage to this team. He's got great film. He's got great pick and roll film too. Um, so I will be excited to see what they can do there. Uh, but again, I would think it's, you know, point guard to be determined at the one Avery at the two Bryce at the three Tyreek probably starting at the four and then Cisse at the five. Yeah. Just from what we saw last year, Kate, I think that's the way you kind of have to make the prediction, but you're right they don't really have a guy who can play pure facilitating pick and roll running pass first. Doesn't even have to be pass first, but just a true point guard on the team. And that's why Mike Boynton has brought it up that they need to go out and get one. So I don't think we're finished there. I think they're going to bring in a guy who's going to be his first year on Oklahoma state squad. And he's going to be thrown into that guard spot, wherever it is. If it's a Juco guy, if it's black, if it's, you know, somebody else, a transfer, but I don't, I don't know if the starting lineup is really complete right now when you don't have that type of guy on the roster, if ice doesn't come it's, back. It's a difficult question to answer because of that. It's exactly right. It's, you know, you've got potentially two departures and um, what you, you potentially have two like vacancies in your backcourt next year. Um, so like that, that, that makes that a difficult question to answer. So uh, appreciate it, Ryan. Hopefully that gives you some, some insight into where, what I'm thinking um, going forward. So. Oh, thanks for that, Cade. So Ryan, thanks again for that question. We love the, we love the voice questions. So yeah, and thank you for doing the- that. That I, I love the voice questions. Thank you for sending that in. Yeah, we love, we, we do love those. So, and you know, hey, we love the Twitter questions too. You guys just aren't as good. As you just don't take the extra step. That's that, that's okay. <laughs> no, but shout out again to uh, our guys Ross and Kyle for their questions earlier on uh, the Mike Boynton to South Carolina stuff. We hit that earlier. But uh, the next one we've got here is Corbett Klein. He's at Corbett Klein. He says, with the transfer portal being the way it is now, does OSU have to recruit and get a QB every recruiting cycle? 
We didn't take one in 2021. And with Shane leaving, this has caused depth issues behind Spencer this coming year. Easy question to me. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think for the next couple of years, you've got to recruit a quarterback. Yeah. I, I think you at least have to have, you've got to go out and get one in the portal. You've got to recruit one. You've got to have, you've got to have multiple guys back there, but Kate, it's, it's tough to do. How do you do it? Because now with the transfer portal, if a guy's not starting and he's a high tier, high caliber recruit, he's going to leave and go somewhere else. It's just, it's just totally changed it. I think if you're a, if you've got a quarterback leaving for the portal, you've potentially got a quarterback entering from the portal. So I love what you said there. You get your, your Garrett Rangel, your Spencer Sanders, the quarterback that you see running the show, you get a Drew Brown and then you go get a Gunner Gundy to groom. And then maybe, maybe that, that works out, but yeah, you got to have more depth than they've got in that spot currently have to. I completely agree. Kate, since we hit those, since we hit those earlier, that was really all we had. We had a couple, we had some, again, and feel free guys to do this with Kate now, whenever you want, have the convos on Twitter. But if you want us to answer something on the podcast instead of you kind of just going back in the short kind of blurbs on Twitter, we're 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 always down to do that yeah, as well. Absolutely. I know we had our we had our guy Kyler Whitis who was talking about the burger Hovland uh, Damon situation. So talk to him a little it's bit about, about that. But we're always we're always down to chat. And he, I I just kind of want to circle back to it. But that interview with Aaron was awesome. It, it not, was fun. not because of me and you, because of him. No doubt Didn't about you? it. If we, yeah, well, well, you too. Great job to you. But there's a reason we had him on. He's very clearly the subject matter expert between between the three of us and and most people that he's in a room with. So it was awesome. Um, I can't wait to have him on again. I would think as this season goes on, he'll be a guy that we keep in touch with and um, just get his thoughts on on where Oklahoma State ends up. I will be excited to see Dustin. One thing I would do want to talk about before we go. We've got another ticket giveaway. Seton Hall's in for four games this weekend. The weather looks absolutely fantastic. Fantastic weather this weekend. I will not be in attendance. You will not be in attendance. But we are giving away two general admission tickets uh, to Saturday and Sunday's baseball games against Seton Hall. So that's two sets of two tickets, right? Are we giving those away together or individually? We're going to do – so – the first winner that gets randomly drawn, I'll ask them whether they'd be like Saturday or Sunday, and then we'll kind of go with the next randomly drawn winner and give them Beautiful. whatever isn't chosen, kind of go down from there. I so think we're going to have two had, winners. Yes. And I think we've only had about 30 people enter so far. So still got some pretty good chances if you want to enter. I know we had like up to 90 on one of the ones earlier in the season, maybe a little bit of, maybe a little bit of pessimism after the Gonzaga series, yeah, but not feeling I so think good. As as Aaron Fit hit on earlier, Gonzaga has three pitchers in Hughes, Vreeling, and Kepner that are elite. They're yeah. going to make the postseason, even if they don't win the WCC. They're going to get an at-large bid. Gonzaga is good. So yeah. I would take that with a grain of salt. You know, they won the BYU series. He talked about BYU. They were high. The D1 baseball guys were high on them. I think they're going to play well against Dallas Baptist. They should win all four against Seton Hall. They should hit a lot of home runs and score a lot of runs in this series. I think Seton Hall's given up over 15 runs multiple times this season. Yeah. So great games to go to, but please enter because uh, we, we really want to go give those tickets away. They're general admission tickets. So you've got that, you've got all the outfield to choose from, and then you've got the whole 
section down the first baseline in the little yeah. bleachers with the seat backs that you can sit in as well. Very close to the beer lines. Yes. Great seats over there. Uh, great seats in the outfield as well. You can even sit with students if you want to. So great spot. And I think we're going to have Katie, you know, I gave away thunder tickets the other day as well. I've been able to luck into some thunder tickets. I think we're going to give away some again next week to next Wednesday's hey. game. I'll have a little bit more about that. Uh, it may be, it may be a suck off cause it'll be the magic <laughs> versus the thunder, but the, the seats are decent. Seats. I got to bleep that out. Thanks. <laughs> the seats, the seats are, the seats are decent seats. So I'll, I'll put that out next week. I'll do another raffle on that. If anybody wants to go, not that I know that's not Oklahoma state related, but I know a lot of Oklahoma state fans are thunder fans as well. So yeah. we'll have that up there. Yeah, no, it's awesome. We're the free stuff podcast. I feel like yes, it's, well, it feels we gotta, like we got to get listeners somehow. Yeah, it's it feels like forty-five podcasts brought to you by all the free stuff we're giving away. That's what we do. <laughs> so, I dude, it's awesome. I love it. it. It is obviously like a way we're trying to grow the pod, but like it, there, there's free tickets all the time on our Twitter account. So if you're not following us, you got to do it. It feels like forty-five, and to enter in it in into any of these. It's as simple as retweet, like, and follow. Uh, so obviously and retweeting and liking. And after. don't. Oh, we absolutely will dare. keep. We will keep track, and we will bar you from future uh, future. I'll contests. send you a Venmo request for the amount of the tickets. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. An itemized receipt. That's what <laughs> we're looking for. Well, Dustin, it was fun. Thank you again for getting Aaron on, organizing all of that. I loved every second of it. It's great to hear from him, and great talking with you. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, oh, I did actually have one, Kate. Taylor sure. Rowe, NCAA Women's 3,000-meter indoor national champion for Oklahoma State. Hey, how about Just that? Just wanted to shout her out because that is awesome. She Big looked exhausted out. after that, but that's uh, awesome. Would, she wouldn't you be? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would be exhausted after the one meter. Indoor, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%, the 10 meters from my couch to my kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Congratulations, Taylor. That's fantastic. Well, Dustin... Let's get out of here. There's NCAA tournament basketball going on as we speak. So I know what I'm doing after this. Um, but of course, everybody enjoy your March Madness. It's the best weekend of the year, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's our first real March Madness since 2019. Uh, and I can't wait. I know I'm excited. I'm off Thursday, Friday. May see me down at the St. Patrick's Day party at Fastler. Maybe not. I don't know. But if you're there, say what's up. Uh, it'll be fun. So, Dustin, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy March Madness. Uh, enjoy whatever it is that you may be doing. And keep it locked with us. Follow us at on Twitter at FeelsLike45Pod. Follow Dustin at DustRagu. And follow me at Cade Webb. And, again, thank you to Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball. Follow him at Aaron Fit, F-I-T-T. -T. Dustin, great talking to you. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pokes.